Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And we are delighted that you are back with us. And we are delighted to have Ray back with us. Ray was just with us for the previous episode, um, talking about his history within the LDS church. Um, man, a lot of relational struggles and uh, a struggle with uh, porn addiction, which we want to touch on a little bit more in this episode. And as we came to the close of the last episode, one of the things that Ray was mentioning was how when he was within that LDS culture community, there were people who didn't even want um, their kids playing with his kids. They didn't want to relate to him because he and his family weren't at the same level of worthiness as them. And so I kind of want to jump back in there with both of you, Ray and Lynn, so, Ray, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being with us again. Thank you. It's good to be back. So let's go to this whole area of that cultural, um, I think I asked in the last, it's almost like a sense of when you interact with people within community, within the LDS community, you always want to interact either at your same level or up. You never want to like interact down in terms of worthiness level. So whoever of you want to jump in on that, I want to hear a little bit more about that because that's fascinating, totally foreign to my experience because I've never been LDS. Uh, and I don't know that it was ever taught to me. It was just kind of the way you did things. My parents didn't raise me like that. Um, I I played with non, non-Mormon kids, whether that was good or bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some, of, some of that was where I got exposed to pornography. So Yeah, and I, you were I, raised in Utah, right? I was raised in Utah. All right. Um, most most people, at least that we associated, were were uh, members of the LDS faith, and so I didn't get a lot of exposure. Most other people in the neighborhood, it, they were just there. They I never never met anybody <laughs> that had a different religion that okay. lived it or or was a good example of it. Most of the people who weren't LDS were pretty well shunned and okay. I was surprised that my parents would let me play with with I mean pretty much any kid my age that moved into the neighborhood if they wanted to hang out with me my parents were pretty good about it they I think they they tried to supervise things I didn't don't remember spending a lot of time at non-members houses so, so seven years into your um, marriage, your first marriage, when you said you got reactivated into the LDS church, were, did you have a temple marriage? We we did end up going to the temple, and and it wasn't okay. her doing that brought me to the church. She, I'd be loading up the golf course, the golf clubs, and headed to the golf course, and she'd be loading the kids up to go to church, and she'd yell and scream at me and and uh, get all angry and. I told her many times, I said, I don't know what they're teaching you at this church, but if this is how you're reacting because of what they're teaching you, 
I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to learn what they're teaching. And uh, so I, I held off for quite a while and then the elders quorum president uh, pulled me in with service. He'd call me for every <laughs> service project. And, and so through that, I, I developed a kind of a community of friends, which I didn't have friends outside of work for the most part. And uh, so they pulled me in and they, uh, they helped me scale the mountain and, and got me into the temp, you know, to where I, cause I had been avoiding it. Cause I just had this big, huge backpack full of rocks on my back of all these sins that I knew that, if, you know, if I came back to the church, I gotta, I gotta deal with that. Uh, yeah. I gotta deal with this, this huge backpack full of rocks. And I had, it had always been insurmountable for me. So I just gave up. Uh, so they, they showed me a little bit of grace there and uh, got me back in, but, uh, just never could shake that. Uh, you know, it's like you're climbing the mountain, you're, you're, you're scaling the mountain and, and you, all of a sudden you slip and you slide all the way back to the bottom and then your backpack picks up a few more rocks <laughs> and you always getting this backpack, you know, it's always piling up and it, it just, it becomes overwhelming. And what, and what is the only way to like get some of the weight out of the backpack within the LDS structure? I never figured it out. <laughs> I never, <laughs> that would make I never, a pretty rough spiritual climb. <laughs> wow. I, but, and I spent my whole life as a Mormon trying to figure this thing out. You know, I'm, I'm there for the social club for the most part, and I'm trying to dig through this. I wouldn't say I was super enthusiastic about digging in. But you did of Jesus, which is amazing to me. So did you have early experiences so with Jesus? That, uh... I did. While I was a Mormon, we were having a rough time, my first wife and I, and we were about to get divorced. And and Jesus came to me on a mother, morning of Mother's Day about 2000, would have been about 2005. And uh, he, I, I felt some love and I, and he showed me my, some of my sins and, and the way that I was treating my family at the time and my selfishness. And, and I actually had it a spiritual awakening of sorts, but I didn't know where to go with it. I didn't, I, yeah. I didn't have enough knowledge to, to stay with it and understand what was going on. It, it changed my life for a minute and it, and then I slowly got back into the world, back into the Mormon doctrine and, and lost whatever I had found. I was going to ask you, were you like reading the Bible at all during this time? Were you no. getting, no, so you weren't really getting any spiritual input from anywhere. Um, Just praying to God that, you know, I didn't like the situation I was in and, and uh, the spirit came over me and, and showed me things and witnessed to me at that time. Just felt the love of Jesus. And, and so how early on did the porn addiction start? So, and do you think that was partly what made you feel separate from Mormonism? I was introduced to pornography about three or four years old. Oh, wow. One of my first memories. Oh. 
some of the neighbors had uh, they had a playhouse in their backyard and they had a whole toy chest they had a, a little clubhouse and the toy chest there was full of pornographic magazines and and so we'd sneak off and go look at that stuff and and uh, then i was uh, molested by another boy my my age and and so there was a lot of guilt associated with that and and then i'm guessing they were lds as well yes not super active but uh, a lot of their kids weren't weren't active um, the parents were pretty active but and i'm guessing this wasn't anything you were about to share with your parents or anybody else Oh no. So it just gets stuffed down and internalized and the shame. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, but so, down the road when you were trying to get rid of some of those rocks, was did you ever go to a bishop and re and and admit? Yeah. Yeah, I had I had talked to, to bishops and uh I'd gone to the 12 step program that the LDS church puts on and or specifically pornography or just any addiction? Yes and yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, there's not a lot of, I mean, there was a high percentage of people that were, had problems with pornography. Um, a lot of times we'd have an alcoholic or, you know, a real, a regular drug addict or something. Um, but for the most part, it was, it was uh, men that admitted they had a problem with pornography and, mm. And so we would uh, try to overcome it, but I never really got any great tools through that process. I, I think as you become sin focused, it just gets worse. Yes. And, and the 12 step program really, really uh, creates sin consciousness and sin focus and, and, and really pulls you. I mean, it just keeps it on the forefront of your mind. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? The whole point of the law, right, yeah. is to say, this is good, this isn't good. Then you measure yourself against that. And then you go, oh, oh, wait, I'm a sinner, right? That's yeah. the whole point of having the rules. But the way you deal with that in Mormonism and the way you deal with that in biblical faith is totally different. So... I know this is not as serious, but when I try to lose weight and all I can think about is food, I'm going to gain weight. And that's the same thing with the sin addiction, right? Once yeah. you focus on it, you're just thinking about it constantly and that it totally has a hold on you. And that, I mean, sin has a spiritual component, right? Do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah. So one of, you know, in preparation for this today, I was reading Romans six again, and Romans six is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite scriptures of all times. Uh, the whole chapter, I, I just can't pick a part of it because it's all pretty amazing. So I'm a, as I'm reading it, there's part of it says, uh, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And when you're focused on, on your sin, you, you're being a slave to that sin and you're. Um, yeah. Now at what point in your life did you encounter Romans six then? So it was just about a year ago. Okay. 
I, I think when you read the book, the Bible as a Mormon, you kind of just gloss over things and, and you don't like, they're told to test everything from the book of Mormon. So if the book of Mormon and the Bible disagree, then, then you, uh, the book of Mormon's the, the, the standard, reason, you know, and, and um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So you, you, it's almost easy. You can almost bypass what's there in the Bible and yeah. And the Book of Mormon's not speaking truth to those issues. So, yeah, it's really sad because having strived for that perfection, trying to figure out the path to that perfection, the Mormon, the LDS faith does not give you the tools to do that. And you don't really realize it. You just trying to figure out why this backpack full of rocks is just getting heavier and heavier and why why can't you know where's the relief where's the you know and and you know i'd seen some of the scriptures from jesus and i just didn't understand how they applied to me and so it's so amazing to get that aha moment of he paid the price for it you know you can be perfected through him when he comes to live in you and when you get the real spirit not the other thing that was funny to me is when I got excommunicated shortly after there, my, my oldest biological son came and talked to me and he says, he says, dad, what does it feel like? And I said, what does what feel like? And he goes, what does it feel like when you lose the spirit? Oh, wow. I I, nothing's changed. There's, there's no difference now. There's no, you know, I still get the same promptings that I had before. I still hear the same, you know, I think God still talks to me. I don't think, and I even told him, I said, I don't, I don't believe that the Mormon church has the ability to take that away. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, uh, they didn't. very insightful because they yeah. don't. So one of the places we wanted to go was just the way that your addiction. And as a result of this addiction, the backpack of rocks, it keeps getting heavier and heavier. How is that impacting your relationships and your relationships, like within your marriage, with your kids, um, even people within the LDS community? Well, I became a Vulcan. I am really good at bearing my emotions. I am really good at just blending in, being a chameleon. As a kid, I was emotional for a while and I got picked on and I even cried in school and it hardened me and and it and I I used to get teased a lot I was I went through an ugly duck stage and I got I got beat up so I learned to bury my emotions and just cover it and then the you know as when you look at pornography and other things you get unrealistic expectations about sex you get unreal expectations about a, a woman's body, what it should look like, what it, um, your, your whole, your standards are pretty, pretty bad and, and unattainable for most real women because most of that stuff you're looking is fake anyway, but it, it gives you this, this skewed standard of, perfection if you want to you know i mean it's because everything's so so dressed up and so made up and so fake that you get this unrealistic standard and and there's not a woman in the world that could live up to that 
and and be happy with herself and and so it has, takes a toll on on a woman's self-esteem especially when her woman when her husband's looking at uh, pornography and so then you know like i know my ex-wife would try to do things to make herself more attractive to me but always feeling like there you know she couldn't do enough and and i'm i know that my pornography contributed a lot to her poor self-esteem and um she didn't have the tools to deal with that either the mormon church doesn't doesn't give you the ability to deal with that very well and so on top of these unrealistic standards of you've got to be perfect you can't make any mistakes i mean what you know you, you you can't there, there is, you know, that grace isn't available. You don't, you're never going to know when that grace is available. It's, it's when, after all you can do, well, where's the, where is that bar at? Yeah. Where's that line? When, when whoever does everything they can possibly do, um, yeah. no, nobody pulls that off. So you've got the weight of shame and guilt, which is, I mean, le- legitimate shame and guilt, because what you're doing is being through pornography, being unfaithful to your wife. Um, You've got her not being able to get your attention because she can't measure up. And there's no way she can compete with the dopamine hit that you're getting from pornography, that rush, even though it's not long-term, it's still there. And so even if you do pull away, you try to be good, maybe try to focus on your wife, real life just isn't the same as the fantasy world of pornography. And so no one and nothing can compete. And so without the help of God, without supernatural help, there's no place to go, but back yeah. to that. Well, and, and it like, you know, it's another one of those unscalable mountains because I don't want it. I don't want it to be part of my relationship, but I don't want to give it up and I don't know how to give it up. And I, I don't have the power to fight this addiction on my own. I, I don't, I just didn't have the tools to deal with it. And so as I'm going to these classes and these other things, and especially that missionary group in Manti, they're really honing in and trying to pound into us. We got to be perfect. We got, you know, they're, they're just creating this standard that is unachievable without Jesus. They don't tell you how to tap into the atonement to, to combat this, you know? So I love that you've gotten there because we just have a few minutes left and I want you to bring people back to hope and give them how Jesus healed you and freed you. And then how much better life is now in the last year. So when, when I was watching the Dan Moeller video and he just said, you've got to look deep inside of you and you've got to you've got to find all of that sin that's more important to you than God. And I, I'm not quoting him verbatim. This is the message that I got was dig out all those weeds and put them at the foot of the cross and give them to Jesus and, and be willing to give them up, you know, Mm. and he, you know, in Romans six, the first of it even says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized unto Christ, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death, a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. And that wow. told me that I don't have to be, I don't have to have this anymore. It doesn't have to be part of my life. And when the spirit came to live inside of me in that moment, and I just felt this cleanness and this lightness and this freedom that I'd never, I didn't know was possible. Yeah. And be, <laughs> and was, to get to that point, you had to acknowledge all that was there and basically say, God, I can't deal with it. So I'm going to dump it on you and let you deal with it. And that's exactly what I did in that moment. I just said, that's it. you know, and I, in the past, if I was by myself in a hotel room, I didn't have the, the self-control to not partake. Yeah. And, and now as, as a saved individual with the spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of me, living out his purpose, I can, I can go somewhere by myself. I can, I can be in a hotel room and I can not partake and I can feel his love and his love feels better to me than I ever felt engaging in my sin and there's no guilt involved in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm. So how has that now impacted your relationship, you know, with your wife, with your family, with your own Christian community? Um, it's, it's just amazing. I, I just love, I, I love meeting people. I love the feeling. My oldest daughter even said that my children have noticed a change in me. Wow. I haven't got a, full accounting of how, you know, what they, what they see, but I know for a fact that I'm a whole lot selfish, if at all, I don't like, I have totally lost my appetite for things of this world. I, I really don't, I, I don't look, I'm not looking to buy anything to fill a hole. And I've even, there's a lot of things I, I like to golf, but I just don't even like, I think, no, oh, I had to go golfing today. And then I end up not. <laughs> and a lot of the things that I used to really enjoy, they just don't have an attraction. And I'm not driven to find, because I'm a whole person at with Jesus Christ. And that's been how long now? Just over a year. Okay, cool. And, uh, and, so, and it, Ray, I thank God that, you picked up the phone <laughs> that we got in connection. I think this is one of the most powerful testimonies I've heard in the three plus years that Joel ha and I have been doing this, partly because you're so honest and free of the guilt. Yeah. Often even people leaving the Mormon church, right, are afraid family will find out. They still have all these fears. And yet a year ago, I believe God freed you from the sin, which freed you from the fear. And, and this makes you a whole and a totally new creation in Christ. And that's one thing that I've noticed is I'm unoffendable. Like, I, I know who I am in Jesus Christ and love anybody, even, you know, people, my closest friends. I tell them all the time, you cannot offend me. I'm not afraid of you. Your opinion 
matters, but it doesn't matter because I know <laughs> who I am in Jesus Christ. And, and I have the ultimate like with the ultimate person. And, and I don't need your approval. It's great if I have it, but uh, I don't, I don't need approval right. from anybody. Oh, yeah. Because, God. yeah, because other people's opinions and our sin no longer defines us. The sin that was so defining who you are that you were focused on is now gone. And now Jesus defines you and his yep. love for you. Yeah. I'm a brand new Ray. And that old Ray, <laughs> I kicked him down the road and buried him. He's gone. And uh, it's so great to be a new person in Christ. It just, I, I can't tell you that I've ever felt anything better in my life. Hallelujah. And Jesus gives each of us purpose. Does yes. Well, and I hope that uh, if, if anybody out there is struggling with porn, uh, if there's a way to reach out to me, I'd love to, to help talk you through it, walk you through it. Um, hopefully my testimonies touched your life and, and you realize that there's freedom available and that, uh, that Jesus loves you because he does. Yep. And we'll get connection information from you, Ray, to put in the show notes so people can do that. In the meantime, let every, all of our listeners know that if you want to get a hold of any of our guests, if they're open to that, you can always do that by going to our Unveiling Grace podcast.com website. And there you can leave a message for Lynn or myself and we'll be happy to connect you. Um, so, well, thanks again so much, Ray. Blessings on you, my brother. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, reach a broader audience with the, you know, the things that God's put on my heart. Grace and peace to you, my dear friends in Christ forever in the family of the family of God, the much <laughs> bigger family of God forever. Amen. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.